This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. Like I said, we just got to play well with the puck, keep getting pucks in their end, um, and break out the puck a little bit better in our end so we're not spending so much time uh, in the D zone, um, and then just making smart plays with the puck when we have it in their end so we can uh, sustain a little bit of ozone time and, and we can get some shots on net. Get some shots on net? Yeah, please do. That needs to happen tonight against the Buffalo Sabres. 7.30, puck drop, 7 o'clock pregame. Brian Engblom will be with Dave Mishkin, my partner on this show, Noon to One. Of course, weekdays at Bolts Radio. Steve Ersnick's our producer. Um, Brian Engblom will join us here in about 30 minutes to talk about the game tonight. But I think generating some more offense, generating some traffic in net, all of those cliches, partner, that we use when teams are trying to be better offensively probably are are a, a good place to start tonight for Tampa Bay and also to that motivation of let's not make this two-game losing streak a, a three-game losing streak. Well, that should definitely be a motivating factor. And the Lightning knew that this road trip was rather unique because it's early in the year and they knew they were facing these three divisional opponents that want a seat at the big boy table. Let's be honest. These are three teams that have playoff aspirations, and they feel legit playoff aspirations. And to this point, the Lightning have been outplayed in the first two games of the trip. So you would expect some urgency from them. You should also expect some urgency from the Sabres, who have started the season 0-2. But the clip that we played at the beginning of the show, I think, gets right to the heart of the matter. Like you talked about generating more offense, more traffic. Look, all of that is true. But breaking out of the defensive zone cleanly, and it's not the only part of the game that the Lightning really need to sharpen, but it's a critical part of the game. Because if you don't break out of your own zone cleanly, not only are you feeding the opposition attack, you're taking yourself off the attack. On the flip side, if you do get out of your own zone cleanly and then can navigate through the neutral zone, you have an opportunity to make the other team play defense, and you are not playing defense. Now, some of the problems the Lightning had specifically in Detroit, they had the puck in the offensive zone, and they had a turnover, and it led to a scoring chance the other way. So, look, you can have puck management issues in all three zones, but I think the biggest single problem the Lightning had with their puck management over the weekend was in the defensive zone. And they're going to need to clean that up, not just tonight in game four, but you know, generally speaking, that needs to be a, a pretty solid part of their game. And they know that. I mean, look, even the years where they've been making the, the playoffs or you know near the top of the division, there are going to be games in which you struggle with turnovers and struggle coming out of the defensive zone. But you want those to be the exception, not the rule. And the Lightning have had, let's be honest, two subpar performances in a row. Time to turn the faucet off, right? That is true. You want to get the result, but yep. but just as importantly, or maybe even more importantly, I don't know if it's more importantly, because you don't want to fall behind in the standings, but they need to play a better game. Let's see if they can do that tonight. Yeah, and I think we talked about this before, but you fall into this trap early on in the season where you don't want to be playing catch-up. It's a, it's a long season, and you don't want to be behind the eight ball to start. I'm, I'm saying things that people should know, but I think sometimes we 
we forget that. And I think for the Lightning, with some of these divisional games, especially, you treat them as four-point games. And I think that's that's the appropriate way to look at it. The Lightning aren't used to, let's face it, falling to some of these teams in the division, partner, back-to-back. -back. You know, at least, you know, the Detroits, the Buffaloes, yeah. the Ottawas. Those are teams that typically the Lightning have been able to handle their business. We know those teams are improved. Not so much with regularity last year, though, Greg. I mean, the Lightning true. lost both games in Ottawa last year. That's true. In lopsided fashion. They had, they had two games in Detroit where they did not play very well. They lost one, and it required probably Andre Vasilevsky's best performance of the year in the regular season last year to win the other. That was a 3 nothing Lightning win, but, I mean, they gave up 45 shots. And you think back to the, the games the Lightning played in Buffalo, they lost one, and the other one they won. It was early in the year. They won in overtime. They were down 5-3 yeah. with, like, five minutes left in the third period. And it took kind of a pull-a-rabbit-out-of-the-hat type of comeback to get the victory. So I would say even last year, like, there were indications that these three teams were improving. And specifically, the Lightning didn't have the same kind of issues necessarily at home. They didn't win all the games at home against these teams. Detroit did win a game at Amelie. Buffalo won a game in overtime at Amelie. But generally speaking, the Lightning played a lot better in the home games. Sure. That that one win Detroit had, I think Billy Huso had, what did he have, like 30 shots against in the third period or something yeah. like that. So, look, that was the game the Lightning lost, and they made some mistakes. But overall, they did a lot of good things in that game that they lost at home. That was not the case on the road. Brian Engblom is going to be joining us at, at the bottom of the hour. Said something interesting when I saw him this morning. He said, yeah, this three-game road trip is like – Things go sideways in Detroit for the Lightning. <laughs> things yeah. go sideways in Ottawa for the Lightning. And things just are wild here. And it's it's reflected in the game notes where I don't have the number in front of me, but it's something like in the last eight games maybe between the teams, at least one team has scored a minimum of five goals. So we have not exactly seen buttoned-up defensive hockey when the Lightning and Sabres meet over the last couple of years. And I guess if the Sabres needed to address one area from last year to this year, because scoring wasn't a problem for them, it was keeping the puck out of the net. So they have Devin Levi, who's their number one this year. He joined them late last year after his college season ended. They have not made a lot of changes, Greg. It's kind of interesting. Detroit made significant changes, I would say, to address some concerns. Ottawa made changes. I wouldn't say they made as many as Detroit, but they made some. I mean, you bring in Tarasenko, you make the, the trade to Brinkitskan, you bring in Kubalik, etc. cetera. The, the Sabres really haven't done much. They have two guys that are first-round picks that are on their roster. One is, one is an injured player, so he's not going to play tonight. There's an 18-year-old... They took in the first round this past summer, Zach Benson, who has two assists in his first two games. And Don Granato this morning was raving about him, how how not only is he skilled, but he really understands the game. And he, he, he plays very well away from the puck, which is, I would say, for talented players that are high draft picks, you know what they can do with the puck, but not everyone gets it without the puck. And apparently... Zach Benson does. So we'll see if he stays. He is eligible to go back to his junior team. Interestingly, his junior team is the same junior team as the other first-round pick 
that's on the roster who's currently hurt, Matt Savoy. They, they were teammates on the same junior team, and they were taken in back-to-back drafts high in the first round. So Benson was 13th overall last year. But other than those two guys, the only other changes, Eric Johnson came over from Colorado as a free agent, and Connor Clifton, the longtime Boston Bruins defenseman, signed. Basically, this is the same team the Sabres had last year, and then the goalie, of course. So they probably felt pretty good about where they were, and maybe they just need to keep the puck out of their net more. But we'll see. I mean, like, at some point, you need to kind of settle in with the guys you have, and it it is interesting, isn't it, Greg, that of those three teams, the Sabres did the least during the offseason. Read into that what you will. Makes sense. But for and, them to take the next yeah. step, they need to they need to lower their goals against. By the way, speaking of a team that that makes that needs to take the next step, as you were saying with Buffalo, it feels like we've been hearing that for a while. It's like the running joke. Every time like they visited <laughs> Emily Arena early on yeah. in the season, they were riding a pretty good streak, and then usually boom, early the in lightning. the year, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it was usually whether it's like you know late October, maybe even into November a little bit. Because I remember specifically, and we reached out to Mike Harrington from the Buffalo News to see if he wanted to come on with us. He was busy interviewing Lightning players during this time, but I remember specifically, like, back-to-back years asking him that question. Mike, is this is this yeah. the real Buffalo? And, you know, some of them really wanted to jump on it, and I understand it because it's been a while, but y- you, you almost have to be careful, I think, if you're a Sabres fan not to get caught up in all of that. I think this is different, Greg, because I saw all the games that you referenced when the Sabres were... <laughs> tied for first in the division and you know we're 15 games in and they had won 10 of them but eight in a shootout or something like that where look they got the game to the shootout and that's part of success in the regular season is munching points but it was a little bit of smoke and mirrors I'm not sure that that what we saw last year in fact I know last year was not smoke and mirrors they have some big time players on their team and many of them are either either or high draft picks that the Sabres have been able to take because they had so many bad years, or key pieces that they have acquired in significant trades. And you look at their top line, none of the three guys on their top line were drafted by the Sabres. Tage Thompson, Jeff Skinner, and Alex Tuck. So Skinner was was a high draft pick by Carolina, but they acquired him from Carolina. Tage Thompson was a first-round pick, but he came over in the Ryan O'Reilly deal when he was really, like, he hadn't realized the the full potential. I mean, I'm not sure that St. Louis, when they traded him, they wanted Ryan O'Reilly, and he won a Conn Smythe for the Blues, and the Blues won a Stanley Cup. So I'm not sure if the Blues had a chance to get a do-over on that trade, they, they would take it, even though Thompson was a, what, 47-goal scorer last year. And then you have Alex Tuck, who was a first-round pick by Minnesota, but came over from Vegas in the Eichel deal. So two pretty significant players on Buffalo, O'Reilly and Eichel, were moved. And I think those trades have worked out pretty well for the Sabres. Then you add a guy like Dylan Cousins, who's a, a top draft pick. And I like him a lot as a player. Then you have the 2D, Darlene and Power. And they're both first overall. And Darlene last year had 73 points. It takes defensemen sometimes a few years 
to to kind of hit their stride. Dalene was kind of like Shabbat in Ottawa and that he was asked to do a lot on a team that wasn't very good and he was young. Well, he's hit his stride. He's a top-end defenseman in the NHL. I don't think you luck your way into 73 points. And Power, who's a little bit older than Dalene in that when he turned pro is what I mean, like he's very seasoned. And, and they seem to have hit on this Matias Samuelson too, who was a second-round pick, but he was at the top of the second round. So, look, I think the Sabres have done it the right way is what I'm saying. I don't think this is smoke and mirrors. I think they have legit players on their roster, but now they have to put it together. And putting it together is going to have to include not being in a situation where you have to score four to five every night to get points. Yeah. And I kind of went off there a little no, bit. But, I mean, I, I, think, I think the Sabres – deserve to be in the conversation based on what they did last year and based on the makeup of the roster. Yeah. I'm not surprised they didn't make a lot of changes during the offseason. They feel good about their team. They should. They feel good about their coach. They should. There's actually a nice article on NHL.com about the Sabres, at least, you know, where they are and I think Dan Rosen had it uh, mm-hmm. talking about breaking through. So it's I think a lot of people are are on not I want to say bandwagon because I think to your point maybe some people saw this potential momentum building from last year does it carry over into this year? I think what carries over is just the talent and the experience. Those guys who are yes. experienced what they did last year should be a little more seasoned and ready to go. But Don Granada knows his team pretty well and I think he's understanding the expectations have been elevated appropriately. He was asked this morning about the 0-2 start, meaning, like, how should the fan base come back from the edge of the cliff, basically? Like, we talk about Lightning fans being upset with the weekend, like here at the Sabres starting 0-2, and they had a... They had a clunker of a performance on opening night in front of a full house. They lost in the Rangers 5-1. He's like, well, look, I understand, and I hear it from my family. This is Granado talking. <laughs> he's like, I understand the the tendency to, to worry, but he's like, they are not seeing what we're seeing behind the scenes. He's like, we are so f- much farther along as a group than we were at this time last year. And last year, there were a lot of new faces to the party guys who either had had not had much experience in the NHL or no experience in the NHL. I think they had six rookies on their team last year. And those guys are now more experienced. We're not going to spend the whole show talking about the Sabres, but I would say this as as a note of of caution, I guess, if if you are a Sabres fan, and that is that we have seen examples of immensely skilled guys having a breakthrough year. And I'm really talking about, like, Thompson. Cousins had over 31 goals last year. Darlene had the 73 points. And then they come back the next year, and they find they have even less time and space. Like, teams adjust defensively. Like, things changed a little bit for, let's say, Nikita Kucherov once the league got to recognize how dangerous he was. And then you got to adjust. If you're if you're an elite player, teams are going to start zeroing in on you. Correct. They 
they find out pretty quickly who the most dangerous guys are in the other team, and then they work their rear end off to, to make it harder on you. And I guess that's what I'm saying. Are things going to be harder for the high-end skill players on the Sabres this year? And if they are, and they can't take care of business, like I just mentioned, in terms of their goals against, then you might be swimming upstream. But we're early. Like, I don't know what's going to happen this year. I will say this, though. Through two games, Tage Thompson, zero points. No goals, no assists. Through two games, Dylan Cousins, zero points. No goals, no assists. Jeff Skinner, no goals, no assists. Alex Tuck, no goals, no assists. Darlene, one assist. So if you're not going to be getting three to four to five goals a night, then you're going to have to find out a way to keep the opposition down to one or two. And to this point, neither has happened for the Sabres. That's why they're 0-2. No, that makes sense. And I think, you know, from their forward position alone, what sticks out, I mean, Thompson's their their stud in, in a lot of ways and maybe every way, but it feels like they don't have a ton of holes potentially. You know, that you're going to get something from every line uh, in terms of offense. But we'll see how that plays out. And, of course, you know, you touched on it. I mean, goaltending is always going to be a, a big yeah. a big thing for them. But um, let's get, you want to get some questions here before we get to Well, Brian, let's just mention, I know, it's, mention? I know it's all over social media. Yeah, Stamkos not participating in the skate this morning. So it looks like the Lightning are going to have their second game in a row without their captain in the lineup. And... Based, Not on the, based on the guys out there late, it looks like Flurry and Bogosian are the extras. And Jonas Johansson, back in Buffalo, the team that drafted him, he made his NHL debut in this building right before the pandemic hit, actually. He had his first series of NHL appearances like February into early March of 2020 with the Sabres. And his first appearance was actually a relief appearance against Colorado. And then he got a start, had a loss, and then eventually he had a start and a win against Winnipeg. That was his only win as a member as a member of the Buffalo Sabres in the NHL. Yeah. And then the next year, which was the the divisional play only season, he didn't win a game with the Sabres and they moved him to Colorado. And he actually had a fair amount of success in terms of his record with the Avs. During the time he was with Colorado, two different stints. But the Sabres drafted him at the top of the third round, and he he did not live up to the expectations here. So it's going to be interesting, I'm sure, for him to come back and, and play as Revenge an game in this, in this <laughs> building. Yeah. Well, so look, the team was not good. So what do you read into his numbers with the Sabres? The other goalies the Sabres had during the time that – I mean, he was drafted in 2014, but he was over in Sweden. He stayed in Sweden for a few years. I think when he was 20 or 21 is when he came over. He was in the minors until he got his chance to to play with the Sabres, but he was still, even then, kind of the third guy, and the two guys ahead of him were Linus Olmark and Carter Hutton. And it's not like Olmark and Hutton were tearing up the league either, right? So... I mean, the Sabres look at him and like, yeah, this guy didn't work out for us. But who would have done well on on one of those teams in you know the late 2010s, early 2020s before they started to to kind of flip the script here? 
Not many. So maybe it's a revenge game. I don't know. Could be. Anytime you go against a former team, I think it's always a little bit more for you. But, you know, we'll see if that plays out there. They're going to need a good game from him. Yeah. It's radio. Uh, don't miss our next home game when the Lightning battle the Canucks this Thursday, October 19th, 7 p.m. Great seats are still available. Visit TampaBayLightning.com to purchase your seats today. Basil says, guys, I realize people are down after two losses, but if the Bolts emerge from these first four games at 500, that's a good start. All good teams, lots of new players on the roster. Have faith in this coaching staff to find a way to get the team to gel. Second game in a row that Lightning look fast and crisp in the first period, but can't keep up the pace of play in the second. Uh, that, that was not the Ottawa game. They did not have a good first period. No, it was bad first period. In Ottawa, and had a much better second period. Maybe he's talking about the first two games. Yeah. They struggled in the second period against Nashville, despite having an overall good game, and they struggled even more mightily in the second period at Detroit on the way to not having a, a good game overall. He's right about maybe this gives you some perspective if the Lightning are able to win tonight. Mm-hmm. If I were to tell you they were going to go 2-2, two and two, playing three games on the road, would you take that heading back to that game, as I just mentioned, at home tomorrow against Vancouver? You probably won 3-1, 4-0. I understand that, but yeah, perspective. Long season. We have a tendency to sometimes break it up into segments, and I think sometimes that's probably a good way to look at these games. I'll say this, Greg, whether they win tonight or not, whether they come home 2-2, two and 1-3, two, and three, or with an overtime shootout loss, no matter what happens tonight, this five-game homestand upcoming for the Lightning, like they're going to look to make some hay on it. It's an opportunity to cash in. I think at one point I'd said four of the five games were against Western Conference teams. I, I misspoke three of the five. So look, they have Toronto and Carolina coming in on this homestand. And those are, let's be honest, you know, two of the high-end teams in the Eastern Conference. Vancouver swept Edmonton to start the season, winning at home in blowout fashion and then winning a hard road game where they got outshot but managed to to get the W in Edmonton on Saturday. I think a lot of people felt Edmonton would would absolutely obliterate the Canucks. So, look, maybe the Canucks have, have taken a step forward, but the three Western teams... You know, two of them missed the playoffs last year, Vancouver and San Jose, and Seattle, which made the playoffs last year. Uh, the Kraken have gotten off to a tough start this year. So there is an opportunity there for the Lightning, understanding you have different sorts of teams coming in. Like, they're going to look to to make the most of that five-game homestand. And if it's a one-and-three record that they have going into Thursday's game against the Canucks, then the urgency should be even higher to make some hay. But yes, two and two would look a lot better than one and three coming out of these first four games. Lucas says, I'm probably in the minority, but I like watching Cooper tinker with the lineup, trying to put this year's puzzle together. Every game doesn't need to be game seven of the Stanley Cup final. I'm going to enjoy the ride, the wins and losses, and trust our leadership. Well, that's a very measured approach. I like that. Look, I think yeah. that the fans have... Look, the fans have a right to feel how they want to feel. It's kind of what Don Cronato was talking about with with the Sabres fans who were very concerned and distressed with an 0-2 start. Lucas was very measured. 
And yes, it is a work in progress. And let's not forget, you know, by the third game, the Lightning were down three guys that would normally be in the lineup, including Vasilevsky, Stamkos, and Mott. So, you know, that is a situation where if they had their full lineup, it might look a little bit different. So they had to make some adjustments. Having said that, the overall performance was not to the Lightning standard. And I think that that is, uh, that is enough to raise an eyebrow because we hadn't seen that through the preseason. And and in game one, we didn't see it either. So, right. I, You know what? I don't mind when a team like the Lightning go through a little adversity. I don't think that's a bad thing because I think when you're looking at where this team eventually will be, this isn't something that is going to prohibit them from winning a bunch of games. I think it'll build some character, some chemistry, how you handle adversity. I mean, I think the Lightning have handled a lot over the years, but it's a new group, and I think they have to experience their own. And as long as it's not catastrophic in terms of record, you know, John Cooper mixes and matches a lot, and I don't think that's a bad thing either. So Mm -hmm. the adversity, I don't mind. And I don't mind him mixing and matching a little bit because at some point he wants everybody to be familiar playing with one another. And that should set them up to be, I think, successful in the long run. So that's that's kind of how I would look at 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 that perspective. And I, I appreciate Lucas's comments because I I'm not getting too worked up with how things are playing out. And I do think in the long run with this team, it will make them better. Uh, Nikita Kucherov says the obvious is that our D needs to be better. And we need to play smarter with the puck. The not so obvious, where is the scoring going to come from on those bottom two lines? Even with these concerns, I have no doubt we can figure out how to win. So I have been banging this drum for as long as we've been doing the show, Greg, that, yeah, sometimes it is the quote-unquote defense or defense, and you look at some of the mistakes the Lightning made over the weekend, there there were defensemen involved in making those mistakes. We can look back and look at some of the goals against, but it's not only the defense. Team defense is played as a group of five. And puck management happens usually as a group of five, right? Sometimes it's not the guy delivering the pass. Sometimes it's the guy in the receiving end who has not put himself in a position to be open maybe or is not providing support that the guy with the puck needs. So hockey is as much a team game as any sport out there. The guys on the ice have to be in sync. And that is true in the offensive zone, in the neutral zone, and in the defensive zone. So I would say defending needs to get better and puck management needs to get better. I'm not sure that I would say it's all on the six defensemen. Even though, as we mentioned on the show yesterday, there were mistakes made that led to turnovers by defensemen. What was the goal? The was it last game where Sergachev kind of got caught flat-footed? That was the Detroit game. That was the Detroit yeah, game. Yeah, so look, I mean, is I that mean, is that his fault or was that 
the pass. It was Hegel. Yeah, Hegel dropped you know? the pass, and it probably – so that's a great example, Greg. That pass maybe didn't have enough zip to it, so Larkin was able to steal it. So that part's on Hegel. And then Sergachev got caught in no man's land. He was kind of like, am I going to get this puck? No, I'm not. Do I step up on Larkin and try and separate him? I'm going to back up. And by then, it was too late, right? So the puck play was on the forward. The decision-making issue was on the defenseman. But I think it's safe to say that Hagel put Sergachev in a tough spot there. That's how I would. Yeah, I, that, that's, you know, again, that's one example. I acknowledge that, that is one example. But that's that's kind of it happens so quickly. Immediately you think, well, the defenseman had a problem there. You know, the goal that led to the the Joseph goal, Dave, mm-hmm. we discussed. Yeah, we did. And we kind of got into that. And you even brought up maybe the play before Perbix. Yeah, like had Nick the pass. Paul, whose fault was that? Nick Paul has a choice yeah. there. He decided to go behind the net. Correct. Now, maybe that was the right choice, but it did. It was the first domino to fall. If the puck is not behind the net, or if he doesn't pass it, he'd actually try to pass it to Headman in the corner, and it skipped over his stick. Like, if the puck is going north instead of south in this instance, there's no goal for Joseph. Maybe there's another goal. Like, maybe, maybe going north was not the right play there. And that was the best play, but it did it did set in motion the sequence that led to the game-winning goal. At Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you certainly can. I know we're waiting for Brian Engblom to join yeah, us. Yeah, Coop might be talking. I'm I'm watching the the last couple of guys finishing up the skate. For the lightning, I asked Brian. I said twelve thirty. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if Coop came out late and he's listening to that, it's why he's late. Yeah, the trickle down effect. It's possible. The twenty third annual. He's going to be working the game with me tonight too. That's going to be it's fun. An ESPN game. Yeah, that'll be fun. Get a chance to listen to you guys. Want to let you know the twenty third annual Bolt Run presented by Advent Health this Saturday, October twenty first at Amelie Arena. This year, there is a 5K, 5-mile, and 1-mile family fun race. All registrants will receive a finisher's race medal, an official Bolt Run t-shirt, and a ticket to a select upcoming Lightning game. Visit tampabaylightning.com slash Bolt Run to sign up today. You typically, do you typically run in that, partner? Years and years ago, years I did. Years. That is a long, long day for me. That is <laughs> and long. I understand, you know, the people who are running in the race maybe are going to the game that night, but... Like, I have a full work day on a game day. So what time does the race start again? Like, 7? It's, I mean, those races, those Yeah, they really started early. early as they need to. Like, those yeah. races should start early. Okay. So That's fine. Short answer, no. No, I'm not. But I, I encourage <laughs> I everyone who wants to participate to participate. And they, they've done a nice job yeah. organizing. And it's a beautiful route, too. Sure. Right along Bayshore. Yeah. At least when I ran, it was along Bayshore. I'm guessing it's still along Bayshore. It, it, it's going to be beautiful regardless. And let's get to our next game. Weather's starting to cool down, too. I know. It's great. Love it. Brian Engblom, Stanley Cup champ, lightning broadcaster, is going to be doing the game with Mish tonight on these airwaves. Joins us on the show. And, Brian, it's great, great to be with you. We actually just took a, 
a, a comment from one of our listeners who wants to talk about the D needs to be better and needs to play smarter with the puck. It's a team thing, I think, when things happen defensively and you give up some scoring chances. What do you make of maybe the overall team defense and what is the biggest issue right now with the Lightning defensively? Well, first of all, I'm not running in the bolt run because I never run. Dave knows that. I get lost very easily, first of all, and I just have no wish to run. My running days ended about uh, 35 years ago. So um, besides that, the uh, Defense Corps has been part of the entire team that's just a little off. They've, they've got... I don't know. I think maybe almost half the team guys are just off. They're just off their game. It's just not there yet. I think that certainly some of it is the tweaks they have made in their defensive coverage. Um, and that takes time in order to, you know, get it so that all the players instinctively know I'm supposed to go here. This is my job there because the game is so fast and the puck turns over and changes direction. And you, you, you have to know what you're supposed to do in the structure. There is so much structure in today's game and the lightning are right up there in that department. You are supposed to know it's like in the NFL, you know, you get out on the line, which play are we running? Those guys have to know all the routes. And if everybody doesn't do their job, it's a loss on the play, right? So that's the best analogy I can give you. So you make a couple of changes, and they have. Um, I, I think that that certainly is part of it, and I would put certain, uh, some of the blame there. As far as the offensive side, so if you know what you're doing and you feel comfortable and the team is moving well coverage-wise, it's funny how that automatically seems to, to flow right into your offensive game. And next thing you know, you start making better plays with the puck. And part of coverage is that there are going to be a lot of turnovers and a lot of changes with the puck. Where are you supposed to go? Where's the puck supposed to go next? I mean, there there is strategy to it. Yes, you have to read what's in front of you and be instinctive to a point, but it is very structured. This puck should go here if I'm in this quadrant of the ice. I have to stay out of the middle of the ice here at certain times, whatever. That, that is all part of moving the puck effectively. What's my next pass and to whom? And sometimes those passes are like from a, a defenseman in his own corner turns the puck over. Sometimes the best pass is about a 15-foot pass to his centerman who's only like near the dot in the circle well if that's a bad pass where does that pass go right into the slot for the other team and it's a huge horrible turnover every team has that problem but is it the right play yes is the execution bad yes and so it goes sideways and you're in trouble and then of course now you're running around and you're scrambling and you're trying to recover the puck you're trying to get your coverage back the other team is getting chances or maybe maybe even they've already scored so you look like heck so it has to do with both things yes what you do with the puck and that's what's talked about most but it's also a about coverage you have to have your man you have to be in the right spot and you have to know when you are not in your in the proper spot where everybody else expects you to be so i know that's a long way around complicated answer but it is complicated and that's a big reason why uh they're just not quite in sync right now 
By the way, Greg, I want to correct something that I'd said earlier. Bogosian is going to be in tonight. I had said that that it was this, basically the same lineup, but Calvin DeHaan is, is going to be out. So the Lightning are going to see Bogosian, a former saver, making his season debut. Four righties on D in the lineup tonight. Brian, we had a question yesterday relating to the fan was kind of wondering about what happened on the Joseph goal. And that play started when Nick Paul had the puck at the, the sideboards in the defensive zone and decided to bump it back to Hedman basically behind the net. And, and it, it got over Hedman's stick. And, and now you're inviting the four check and, and perfects ends up turning it over. And the fan wanted to know, like, is that strategic or like, why, why do the lightning and other teams bump it back behind the net? instead of trying to move the puck up and out of the zone. And I responded that a lot of times, yeah, it's part of the the the, the coaching staff's philosophy, but also the player is making a read. Can you talk us through like what goes into the 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 thought processes for players when they maybe have a chance to get it out of the zone, but instead they're going back behind the net for a reset? Uh, I, I don't profess to remember exactly what everything looked like on that play. I remember how it finished, but as far as the bump back play, so when Nick Paul got the puck, his next look, you know, in his mind, back to what I was talking about a moment ago, is where's, you know, what's my first option? Where am I supposed to look for the next one? Well, he didn't like what he saw, but I'm trying to remember was, is was there a partial line change or anything like that? I think like there that? was, actually, now, yeah. Yeah, and that, that would be the, probably the first thing that he looked at. Okay, I've got players going to the bench, so we don't have five guys on the ice. So there's a hole somewhere. So this is about puck possession. And the teams in today's game, especially the Lightning, they are loath to turn the puck over for no reason. Like, they don't want to just dump it out over the blue line and get it out of the zone. Um, there is a time where you have to do that just to relieve pressure. If you have been running around, I think that is still true. But for the most part, when you finally get the puck, they do not want to give it up. So it's better to go backwards and retreat back behind your net, have a reset, and have a, that line change complete, and now go, okay, now we go through, now we run our route. Now we go through our structure, and we can break out as a five-man unit. But as I said, I'm just guessing at that. I don't really remember if it was a line change, but that would be the first thing. The other part of it is simply to maintain possession. You may, on the boards, You're obviously you have the whole ice widthwise in front of you. So it has to go through, at least through the middle of the ice. And they would rather have short passes than long passes unless, you know, maybe somebody on the far side of the ice is going on a fly pattern and is wide open. Then they go, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll make that pass. You know, it's going to be, you know, a 70 or 80 foot pass or whatever, but he's got a great chance. Otherwise, you're looking in the middle of the ice to either a defenseman on the weak side jumping up or your centerman who's making himself available and you work your way out. Okay, that's it. You get it here. And then we, we start our structure going through the neutral zone. That would be that would be my guess in uh, in that situation. Brian Engbaum joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. You know, Brian, line combinations, they're, they're constantly moving, rotating. Um, what have you liked? Maybe what haven't you so far? It's, it's very early, and I know Mott's been out, so that makes it hard sometimes to evaluate because you would think he provides that speed on a, a fourth line. Tanner Janot has been elevated a, a bit, and, you know, we, we've seen him uh, show some things offensively from preseason through the first three games of the regular season. 
at least. Is there anything that's maybe sticking out for you one way or the other? Um, like I said, I think there are there are a lot of guys that were still a little off. And so I think because of that, uh, you know, Coop is still experimenting. And then, of course, you know, Stammer, Stammer hasn't been available. And so that changes a lot because he's top six. Just a matter of is he going to play with Point or is he going to play with Sorelli or maybe even Paul? So uh, that changes things. So it's a necessary adjustment there. Like I'm, I'm a big fan of Hegel playing with Point and Kucherov. And I'm sure, I'm sure Coop is too. But it's, it's about the overall structure and the look of the team, right? That's his responsibility as well. So, I mean, Hegel was with Point and Kucherov this morning because Stammer's not, Stammer's not around. Um, but I think that line just goes. And I was thinking about it this morning, looking at Hegel's last game. And I think Hegel's played pretty darn well, you know, for he's been one of the better forwards in the three games. Last game, I kind of felt like he looked like he was by himself a lot. Just it happens some games. Well, when he plays with Kuch, Point and Kucherov, he's never by himself. You know, they just have this thing, and the other two are so good and have the puck so much, and he gets the puck to them. He was in it a lot, um, and that's important for for Hagel. Uh, I think Connor Sherry uh, Sherry is is still kind of feeling his way around. Um, he's you know was with Sorelli and Hagel uh, before. Uh, Sorelli's been really good. I think Sorelli's been one of the best forwards so far consistently. And Sorelli, like Coop said, this, he, he makes other people go. I mean, he, he dri- he's a line driver. I think that's the term that Coop used. Doesn't matter who Sorelli's playing with, he's driving the line because he, he has so much energy and he's, he's going forward so much and makes so many good plays. Uh, you know, on and on down the line, there's that, that trickle effect of who's playing with whom. And as I, I just... I don't think Nick Paul is is right up there on top of his best game. He scored two goals in the first game. I, I didn't think he he'd look you know just the flow to the game. I guess is what I'm trying to say, which includes Asimont was good. Asimont's all over the place, right? He's 100 miles an hour. Um, he's a pain to play against. Tanner Janot is a you know a, a physical guy who hopefully you know can score some goals again. But it, again, it just they're, they're, the rhythm is was not there certainly in that last game in Ottawa for 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 long stretches. You know, it wasn't the entire game, but long stretches just off a little. So I think that process is really just still going on for a lot of uh, the line combinations up front. Victor Hedman, through three games, is leading all NHL defensemen in points, and he has started the year as the defenseman on that number one power play unit. Does it look like he? I mean, you talked about how much the long offseason benefited him. Are you seeing that on the ice? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just had a little chat with him a few minutes ago, um, and I said to him, "Victor, uh, you look like you did uh, three years ago, four years ago." And he just, you know, kind of there was a little half nod. You know, he he said, "I I feel really good," and it it shows. Um, his offensive game is is bigger already, and I love it when Victor's doing. I've commented at times to you guys over the last year or even two where Victor, you know, was less active offensively and probably, you know, fatigue, maybe nagging injuries that we never know about, um, you know, the the volume of games, the minutes, uh, whatever. I saw a stat, I think, in the last five years. I think he said more ice time than, you know, than anybody, you know, combined. 
which makes sense. Um, and it wear and tear on a guy six foot six, two hundred and was he two hundred and forty pounds almost. That that's a lot of miles. That's a lot of energy to move a big body around. Even you know compared to a guy who's you know five ten and about one sixty five. It, it's it's a lot of energy and all that wear and tear and everything. Well, he he's, he said you know he is he got some rest and then he trained. Recovery is one thing, and, and you know, from injuries. And, and then next thing you know, you're at the end of the short summer, the last couple of years prior, and, and now you got to train, and you're not quite there where you want to be. Well, he got to rest, and then he got to train, and he got back to some real basics, he said to me this, this morning. And so I think he's really enthused about his offensive game. His legs are there, but I think he's got more of an offensive focus, and, boy, I'm, I'm really excited about that. Because I really felt like his game got small, smaller than it should be um, for his skill level. Um, and only he knows, um, you know, what the reasons for that exactly. But I want his game to be as big as possible every night. And I think that's what we've seen. I think he's been their best player so far through the course of three games, the most effective. Brian Engblom joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. Brian Buffalo expectations pretty high this year. You would think not the best start, but it's early. You know, you don't want to overreact. What do you make of Buffalo in general? Uh, they're a dangerous team, really dangerous. I think they've done a really nice job, right, from management down to to, to Don Granado, the coach, last year watching that team develop, and he he gave them the confidence to go and make plays and just play. Darlene on the on the back end. You know, expand his game offensively. Go, use your strengths. Be who you are. Uh, Thompson, fantastic year last year. Let him score goals. Let him do the offensive things that made him feel, you know, big and, and important. And darn, he, you know, he really was. 47 goals, 20 on the power play. That's, you know, some outstanding stuff. I mean, they have, they have some serious talent there. Tage Thompson is right at the tip of the spear alex tuck um really good two-way player another guy so they've got a handful of guys small handful of guys with 30 or more goals that's that's big stuff and he let them do that he realized that hey we're not going anywhere seriously we're not going to the stanley cup we're trying to make the playoffs they end up missing it by one point and that was painful i talked to some of their players this morning and you just know you know management wise that probably was a really good thing because to go, we missed by one point. Are you kidding? After 82 games, that will stay in the back of their mind. Every game is important. Every single point. Some games where, you know, we just threw away a point. We threw away and, and they didn't make the playoffs because of it. Well, they're, they're another step forward in their development this year. And they are already determined they're not going to let that happen. So I think Don Granado has let these guys develop their game offensively now it'll be okay away from the puck here guys we're going to concentrate on the clock and the score it still always comes back down to that in key games and when you're a good team are you winning or are you losing what time is it not just at the end of the game but at the end of a period or even at the start of a period what is happening are we under control are we dominating are we making plays or we are in our own end and we can't make two passes in a row? How, what do we do? That's how you get, get grab games back when it's going sideways 
or really running over you? And how do you develop and continue your offensive push when things are really, really going well? That's the next stage for the Buffalo Sabres. And as the season goes along, um, you'll see them, I think, improve in that department. They've got some really good young talent. Darlene is tremendous. This Owen Power on defense, this gets six six and about two twenty, and uh, what is he? Barely twenty years old. That kid's really good. They've got some good, solid defense. They've got some guys who are really dangerous up front, and they can play with speed. All the elements that you need. They're going to be a really dangerous team. This whole division is going to come down, and we've seen it you know, on this road trip. It was a good taste for the Lightning. Detroit, then Ottawa, Buffalo, all in, all in this division. Get a taste for them and a feel for them. Who beats whom this year? How many times does Detroit beat Buffalo? Does Buffalo beat Ottawa? Did the Lightning beat Ottawa and win the season series? Do they lose up? That's going to be hugely important to all of those four teams as to who makes the playoffs and who doesn't. Every game virtually is a four-point game. And this is another one here tonight for the Lightning against Buffalo. Last one for me, Brian. I remember when Don Granado talked to you about that last year, and, and you loved it, where he basically said, we have stallions. I'm going to let the horses out of the barn. We'll worry about defense later. And that was true yeah. because they finished third in the league in goals scored and they actually allowed more goals than they scored. So they scored a lot, and they allowed even more. How yeah. difficult is it? I know you talked about time score situation. How difficult is it, though, to get that goals against number down? And is it harder to generate more offense, or is it harder to lower your goals against? It is harder to get offense. And that's why I like and why I, I, I preface this conversation by saying I, I like what Don Granado did. And I think he's going about it sort of the, the modern way. Today's NHL, more and more coaches and organizations are doing that. In my time, Dave, it was always about, hey, you can't play defense. You don't even get a sniff on the offense. Like, don't even think about it unless you were special, really special. But most of us were like, uh-uh, nope, don't. Don't. You heard the word don't a lot. You know, then today's game and, and Granado's the example we're given, which is great. He's let these guys go. And I think the story that he told me that you were referring to last year, he said uh, uh, Rasmus Dahlin, who is a terrific talent. And he said, I was showing him a replay of a play that he made defensively. And he said, what were you thinking here? And Darlene said to him, well, I thought you probably wanted me to go over here. So I went on that guy. And he said, I stopped. I went, uh, 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 no, uh, no, no, no. Don't think like me. We'll talk about it after. You're a terrific player. You have skills. Go with your instinct. We'll talk about it after. You're a really good player. Use your instinct. So that's the best example of what he did to all guys like Darlene and Thompson and Owen Power and Cousins and all these young guys and went, okay, and then when you make mistakes, yeah, we know it's going to blow up sometimes, but then we'll go, uh, see this one here? No, don't do that that time. But he said Darlene wants to please the coaching staff so much that he's thinking, okay, he wants me here. He wants me there. He said, no, think like you. Don't think like me. We'll talk later. And I think that cuts right through all the stuff and the player just nods and goes, hmm, great so he has 
given them confidence. He's got all those guys that are, are full of themselves from last year, having scored goals and made plays offensively. They scored more goals than the Lightning did, yes. So then the next stage is, yes, now we look on the structure and the play away from the puck and play by the clock and the score. And now you're going to have a team that's really good if they get some goaltending and they think they will. And that's been an issue on and off for Buffalo over the last couple of years. We, we all know how you know goaltending on any team that's mediocre or at the bottom end it goes hand in glove, right? Was the goalie not good enough often enough or was the team so bad structurally that the goalie just, you know, couldn't keep up with it? It's a pretty fine line, but they're, they're pretty confident that they have all the elements now. And from what you can see, even though they, you know, 0-2 to start, this team's going to be reckoned with. I can guarantee you that. Brian, as always, we appreciate breaking it down with us and... We'll look forward to your call with Mish tonight. It's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thank you, Brian. See you guys. You got it. I don't think that's going to be the case. And Gabby. Gabby's going to be uh, doing the intermission interviews. So, Speaking of Gabby, you can check out their new podcast with reporters Gabby Shirley, Chris Krenn. It's called Into the Blue, Dave. Every week they take you behind the scenes of the Bolts. They give you their pluses and minuses. New episodes of Into the Blue drop every Tuesday. Everywhere you listen to podcasts. Episode two is out now. Cool. Get it in. A lot of content. Have we have we tracked our episode numbers? What are we at? I don't know. We're probably I mean, we started doing this together in twenty twenty. We had some weird seasons, but deep. Didn't we start runs. right during the weird pandemic? Seasons. Basically, right. Well, you and Eric carried uh, carried into the beginning of that layoff. Yeah, and then and then you and I. I did I did some shows, and then you did some shows, and then we yeah. we came together to do a show together on Fridays, and then when the the teams started practicing again, I think we we started doing the shows together. So yeah. let's say the bubble of twenty twenty. The full season of 2021 with playoffs, the next year with playoffs, last year with playoffs. I don't know. What do you think? Are we up around? We got to be over 500 at this point. I would think so, for sure. How many years have we done it together? What would you call it? At least yeah, three, some, right? Well, we take we take breaks during the off season, so it's it's okay. <laughs> we, we I don't know. <laughs> This would be year, year four, what? I guess, four? right? How about year that? five, if we're including hey, the listen, 2020 bubble. I consider it an honor. It's basically the longest partner I've had in the <laughs> radio business industry. Yeah, I was going to say, what about Annie? Yeah, Annie, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> we're working past the decade there. But, you know, um, yeah, professionally, that's been that's been great. So it's been it's been fun. We'll just keep plugging along. We'll have our staff maybe come up with that, and then we'll do like a tribute to us on yes. our show. A tribute to us. <laughs> That'll be a lot of Hey, fun. Kren, Shirley, you're on episode two. You got How a long way to go. How do you like these go. apples? Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. <laughs> All right. But we appreciate everybody who's listened to us along the way because we've had, uh, obviously the audience has grown, but we the, the regulars always have been there. Mm-hmm. And we interact with them and we love it because uh, without you guys, one beer. So we appreciate you. Uh, partner, I'll talk to you tonight. Pre-games at 7. Puck drops at 7.30. Yes. And we'll have some fun, and then we'll be back at it tomorrow, recapping. Hopefully, it's a win. Yeah. All right. We will find out at about, what, 10, 20 or so yeah, Eastern we will. time? If you the Lightning are heading home 2-2 two two or something a little worse than that. 
Make sure you keep it tuned here. Thanks to Steve Ersnick. Thanks to you for listening. Brian Engbaum, we always appreciate you. I'm Greg Lanelli. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lighting Radio.